joy. Good morning. Buenos dias. Howdy to anybody listening to this uh, podcast later. How are we doing this morning? Who got woke up by the storm at midnight last night? That was pretty loud, huh? That was intense. I, a lot of you know that I come up here late on Saturday nights to pray and uh, just to, you know, make sure we're ready to go for Sunday and mainly just to, to listen to God and prepare the atmosphere. And I was in here praying and <laughs> lightning hit somewhere really close. <laughs> and I just remembered the scripture that says the voice of the Lord is like the thunder, right? So I think he's going to speak to us today. But yeah, again, another good morning. And I hope that, uh, that those of you that are listening to this podcast uh, really in, enjoy the word today as well. But uh, I want to remind you that you can uh, follow along today's message through your Bible app, like uh, Kwame and Alex just told us, through your Bible app. And also you could grab a printed version of the outline there. Uh, in the back, we're continuing our year-long theme, Every Word. And somebody tell me this morning what Matthew 4.4 says. People... But by, that's right. How does it say it? Como dice en español, la gente no vive so. That's right. And if you're if you're new here, if you're new here, if this is your first time here or you haven't been around very long, first of all, welcome, welcome to the Encounter family. Thanks for coming in the middle of summer vacation. Right. We, we love to have all of you. It's great to see some new faces. We hope to connect with you after, after church today, so don't run off. But if you're new here, maybe you're wondering what, what, what that's all about. Well, starting in January, we started uh, a journey all together to read through the whole Bible together, right? In fact, Encounter Church, what's our commitment this year? We're going to... That's right. ¿Qué vamos a hacer? Man, tomorrow is August 1st, which means we are over, like, what, now two-thirds through the year, which means we're two-thirds through reading the whole Bible together, and it's been wonderful. Speaking of which, on Friday, we read uh, uh, a chapter in Romans, Romans 12, and, and uh, I'm, I'm excited because also this past Wednesday, uh, 12 or 13, I, I, I lost count, either 12 or 13 of your... Friends, brothers, and sisters here completed Encounter Leadership School. And uh, in a few weeks, we're, uh, we're going to present them to you. we got a few more things to, to, to get through. And uh, they're going to be helping us with the upcoming week of outreach, getting all that together. And I'm so proud of them. But those, of the, those that were here on Wednesday night at their final class uh, of Encounter Leadership School are going to recognize this chapter but if you've been reading the one-year Bible, you're going to recognize this chapter because we just read it on Friday. Anybody read Romans 12 yet? Okay, that's where we're going to go today. But first, first, I have a question for you. What are you good at? And, and I mean that really. I mean that in, uh, sincerely. What are you good at? I hear some answers. Uh, procrastinating. <laughs> Turn to somebody and say, what are you good at? 
turn to Turn to somebody else and say, what do you do well? See the... All right. That may have been a little bit more fun than I imagined. Okay. Last couple of weeks, you know, we've been on this topic of living on mission, right? Come on, say living on mission. We've, we started it, uh, you know, just talking about how good the good news is, right? And then the question came, but how do I live a good news lifestyle, right? And we've been, we've been now, this is our third week. We're going to continue to sort of develop this perspective on, about living on mission, right? And uh, we're going to start with a little bit of review. So for those of you that have been here, I want to see how much you can remember and those of you that haven't been here the past couple of weeks, well, this is going to be a review to kind of catch you up where we've been. But uh, how about this? We don't do missions. We Cheaters, it's right there in front of you. All right. Okay, leave it on that one. Leave it on that one before I do the next one. But let, let, let's just say it again. We don't do missions. We We live on mission. All right. Hold off on the next one. We don't do outreaches, we live reaching out. There you go. We live reaching out. We don't just go fishing, we are fishers of people. It's a different way of thinking. We don't, it's not, the, the mission of Jesus is not something that we just add to our life, like something extra we need to do. I'm going to let that one settle just a little bit. We don't look at Jesus' mission. If, 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 if you're a follower, a disciple of Jesus Christ, then we don't look at Jesus' mission to, remember the mission? Anybody remember the mission? Go and make disciples of all nations and also go and preach the, the good news, the gospel, right? We, we're called to spread the good news that we've received, right? We're called to give the salvation that we have received. That is our mission. And, you know, as disciples, we ought not look at Jesus' mission as something, I, you know, I have my life that I live, and then there's Jesus' mission that I'm trying to figure out somehow, some way to add it to my life. That's not the Christian Life. That's not the life of a disciple. For the disciple, his mission is my life purpose. Come on, somebody. Everybody's looking for a purpose, right? Everybody's talking about, well, God loves you. And he, I saw a commercial last night. It's a great commercial, by the way. It's an evangelist. But he says, God loves you and he has a plan for your life, right? And on secular TV, actually. I love that this, this commercial was on secular TV. God loves you and he has a plan for your life. And so everybody kind of knows that. God loves, come on, say, God loves me and he has a plan for my life. But a lot of times we just kind of get stuck there. Well, he has a plan. Who knows what it is, right? <laughs> and we live our life trying to figure out what that plan is. And then a lot of folks never even do the plan because we just take our time trying to figure out what the plan is. 
And I'm not going to talk about specifically the plans of God as far as that's concerned, like personal purpose. But there's one purpose we all have. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, Jesus' mission for your life is your life purpose. Jesus' mission is our life purpose. No matter what your specific gifting and calling is, Jesus' mission, the mission of spreading the gospel from our city all the way to the ends of the earth, that is our life purpose. The purpose of Christians is Jesus' mission. So rather than looking at my life as, you know, kind of I live my life and then there's Jesus' mission and I Maybe I want to figure out how to add Jesus' mission to my life or help Jesus' mission. No, no, no. Jesus' mission is my life. My life is Jesus' mission. Come on, I know I'm repeating this, and last week I told you, I keep trying to find different ways to say the same thing because I'm trying to get it to stick to me just as much as I'm trying to help it stick to you. Come on, say, Jesus' mission is my life. My life is Jesus' mission. I live on mission. I don't just do missions. I live on mission. Hmm. In fact, Matthew, you know, this is a, this is a scripture we've read a few weeks. I just want to go to the, the verses 7 and 8. If you've been here, you know what to do. And, and, and. As you go, where are we going? Everywhere, wherever, right? And, and preach, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons, freely give what you have. I'm sorry, freely you have received, freely, 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 and Sorry, go back one, go back one, go back one, go back another, and freely, and freely. Who remembers this one? As you go, give what you have. Very good. And Jesus told his disciples, as you go, because we all go, right, somewhere. We all go to work. We all go to, or to, to, to school or to out and about, right? We, we all go home to our neighborhood, to our apartment complex, right? We all go to restaurants. A lot of us go a lot of places. And Jesus' instruction is just that as we go, wherever we go, we what? We give what we have. What do you have in Christ? 
He says, freely you has, have received. He told his disciples, we got any disciples of Jesus in the house? Come on, and if you're here today and you say, I, I, I'm not a disciple of Jesus yet. I haven't really, I'm not following Jesus. Well, you can. Today you can make the decision to make Jesus Christ the Lord of your life. Even right now, you can decide to follow Jesus. But if you've decided to follow Jesus, if you've received Jesus, if you've received the good news of the kingdom of God, come on somebody, shout to me what you've received. Freedom, salvation, joy, peace, deliverance, right? Hope, love, purpose, power. Real life, right? Does that sound like something our world needs? Does that sound like something that the people that live around you need? Does that sound something like your co-workers need? How about your classmates? How about your neighbors? How about your barista? How about your server? How about your boss? Outreach, outreach should not be a religious activity, but a way of life. Outreach should not be a real, now again, third week in a row, disclaimer, we do outreaches. We have a week of outreach coming up August 14th, right? We do missions, we go on mission trips, we just went on one, we're planning the next one, okay? But outreach, Jesus' mission to share the gospel with other people, to share the good news, to share the love and the joy and the freedom and the forgiveness and the salvation that we have received in Christ should not be something that we just do when it's planned. But the way we live our life, wherever we go, as we go, we give what we have. And what we have, we've received. Now I have a question. Did anybody pay for your salvation? Did anybody pay for your forgiveness today? No, Jesus paid it all. Come on, somebody. We freely received it, so we freely give it. And this changes it. Come on, let's see if we remember this one. This changes our perspective from I do things for Jesus to I live for Jesus. One more. The gospel is not a product we're trying to sell, but a free, a free, a free that we are compelled to give away. The good thing about the good news is it's not just a free gift for you. The good thing about the good news is that when you receive it, now you can give it. The gospel is enough for everybody. Come on, when you give it away, you don't lose it. If I give my car away, I lose it, right? But when I give the gospel away, I gain even more joy. We freely give what we've freely received. So living on mission isn't complicated, although Christians, we tend to complicate things sometimes, right? I don't know about you, maybe, maybe I'm the only one that tends to complicate things. Have, have you ever complicated something that was really simple? So living on mission 
living with Jesus' mission isn't complicated. It's simply living a lifestyle, get this, a lifestyle that shows and offers Jesus to others. It's living my life in a way that shows and offers Jesus to others. Does anybody want to show Jesus to others? Does anybody want to offer Jesus to others? Come on, living on mission is living to give Jesus away. Come on, somebody say, live to give. Living on mission, and this is where we're going with this today, is living to give Jesus away in response to all he's given us. Because when I think about all he's given me, I realize I could never give him back enough. But what he asks of me, what he calls me, and what he sends me and you to do is to go give him away just like we've received him. To give Jesus away to others. Let's go to Romans chapter 12. If you want to follow along on the screen, your Bible app, or in your Bible, I decided today I wanted to actually bring my Bible because I want to read it out of here. Romans 12, we're going to read, what we're going to do is kind of just read through a few scriptures, pause, read through a few more scriptures, pause, read through the whole, uh, whole chapter, which isn't very long, so don't worry. And then I'm going to break it down a little bit uh, for you, but I want you to read as we read together Romans 12, I want you to think, living on, huh? Living on mission. And living on mission is really just living my life to give away what I've received because of all he's given me. It's a response to all he's given me. It's a response to the forgiveness, to the love, to the grace, to the peace that I have received. Are we ready for Romans 12? Come on, somebody. Who's ready for the word of God? As we read it, I want you to let it, not just in your ears, but into your mind and into your heart today. Are we ready? Romans 12, starting with verse 1. And so, dear brothers and sisters, Plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he's done for you. To give our what? Our bodies. Come on, somebody. Not just our heart. He said, have you given your heart to Jesus? Yes. Well, that's a good start. But because of all he's done for us. We're being pleaded with to give our everything, right? Let, let's keep reading. Let them, our bodies, be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he'll find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Come on, I love singing, I love dancing, I love shouting, I love clapping. But the true way to worship Jesus is to give him my whole life. That's truly the way to worship him, to live for him, 
to give him my life, it says, as a living sacrifice. This is interesting because sacrifice, a sacrifice is dead, right? It means I've given up. I've laid my life down. But the good thing about when you give your life to Jesus, when we die to our life, he gives life to our life, right? And so he's saying, I want you to live your life. You've surrendered dead, but by my spirit, I'm giving you life. So I want you to live your whole life for me, surrender to me. That's the real way to worship me. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let, let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you, by changing the way you, uh, the way you think. How do we get transformed into new people? What do we got to change? The way we, the way we think. That's right. Then you'll learn to know God's will for you. A lot of people want to know God's will, but don't want to change the way they think. There's a lot of people, Christians and people who don't really know Jesus, but they, they know there's a God and they want to know God's will. But the Bible is very clear that the way we get to know God's will for us is by changing the way we, then we can know God's will. It serves us no purpose to know God's will if we're not going to think like he thinks. Because we won't do it. Come on, does anybody want to know God's will? Then we got to change the way we think. So it says, then we'll learn to know God's will for, for, for us, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Some people don't want to know God's will because they're afraid of it. A lot of people say they want to know God's will, okay? The path is to change the way we think, right? Others are like really not into looking into God's will because they're afraid of what that might be. But let me tell you, if you're afraid of knowing God's will for you, it is good, it is pleasing, and it is perfect. God's will for you and for me is way better than what we could ever come up with. Because of the privilege and authority God has given me, we're in verse 3 now. I give each of you this warning. Don't think you're better than you really are. What a warning. Don't think you're better. Another translation says, don't think more highly of yourself than you ought. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves. Measuring yourselves by the faith God has given us. Just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. Come on, tell somebody, you're special. We're many parts of one body and we all belong to each other. Now tell that person, you belong to me. And tell them, and I belong to you. Come on. That's what the Bible says. We got to learn to live that way. 
no, it's not just me and Jesus. As long as me, as long as me and Jesus are okay, we're good to go. No. If you're with Jesus, you're part of his body, and you belong to us, and we belong to you. We need each other. Yeah. Verse 6, in his grace, here we go. God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. Come on, ask somebody. What do you do well? So, so if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you're a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. Hello. If it's giving, give generously. If God has given you the leadership ability, then take your responsibility seriously. We went over this on Wednesday night at Encounter Leadership School. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. If you're kind but frowning, nobody knows that you're being kind. In my heart, I'm being kind. Remember, we give our bodies. Oh, verse 9, don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Hate what's wrong. Hold tightly to what's good. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. Never be, never. It doesn't say never rest. We know we ought to rest. But we ought to never be lazy. What does it mean to be lazy? When there's something you could do, you don't do it. It's called being lazy. The word says to never be lazy. But work hard? The Bible says to work hard? (gasps) Something that I'm not picking on anybody, but something that you know, the younger generations have been told they don't have to do. You don't have to work hard. You just push a few buttons here and there. Okay. Never be lazy, but work hard. And serve the Lord enthusiastically. I'm here today. It's my turn to greet. Good morning. Welcome. I had to come early today to make the coffee. That's why I'm so tired. 
I had to get up extra early to come to prayer. Had to make an extra effort. Oh, you just don't know how much extra effort to be with those kids. I do know. I do know. I live with them. I live with a couple of them that you need extra effort. Listen, I'm not picking on anybody because I know Encounter Church is not like this at all. We are a church full of enthusiasm. In fact, in fact, it's one of the things that any time anyone ever comes here from out of town and visits us, they're like, wow, your people are so enthusiastic and so alive and so happy, right? Serve the Lord, come on somebody, enthusiastically. Rejoice in our confident hope, be patient in trouble, and keep on praying. Keep on, keep on, keep on. What do we got to do when there's trouble? Be, be patient. <laughs> patient. When God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be, always be, always be eager to practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them. That's just copying Jesus. He said to even pray for our enemies, right, to love them. Be happy with those who are happy. You ever had a hard time with that? It's like, it must be nice to be so happy. You just, you know, this great thing just happened to you. No, we're supposed to be, when other people are happy, we're supposed to be happy with them. But, but it also says weep with those who weep, right? When other people are going through a hard time, we also weep with them. We also go through it with them. Live in harmony with each other. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people. And don't think you know it all. The issue is when we think we know it all, we have a hard time hanging around ordinary people. I don't know about you, but I'm pretty ordinary. <laughs> Come on, tell somebody, you're ordinary. So what in the world does that, we're going to finish the chapter here in just a second, but what in the world does that have anything to do with living on mission? We, listen, we give what we have been given to everybody. People that are like us, people that are different from us, people that seem important, and people who seem 
just ordinary. Don't think you know it all. Because you don't. <laughs> you don't. There's some people that know a lot, but no one knows it all. You know, I, again, I don't mean to pick on anybody, but people that act like they know it all tend to be people that know the least. You talk to them and they, they, they again, they think of themselves higher than they ought. And so they have an opinion about everything and think they know the way things ought to be. But then when you really talk to them, they haven't got a clue. Okay. <laughs> Just thought I'd throw that in there. Never, verse 17, never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way so everyone can see you're honorable. We ought to live our lives not just so God can see we're honorable, but that the way we live it should show everyone else right that we're honorable. Do all that you can to live at peace with everyone. Notice it says do all that you can. We do all that we can to live at peace with everybody. That means if somebody isn't at peace with us, it's not on us. It's on them. Because we do all we can. Right? Dear friends, verse 19, never take revenge. <laughs> never try to get back. Right? It says, leave that to the righteous anger of God. For the scriptures say, I will take revenge. I'll pay him back. And y'all, he pays back way better. <laughs> Instead, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. Let's keep going. If they're thirsty, give them something to drink. In doing this, you'll reap burning coals of shame on their heads. Don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. So Romans 12, I uh, you know, I call it the Christian code, right? This is our code. This is the way we live, okay? Well, that, and, 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 and it's a mouthful. <laughs> it's a lot. I remember back in Bible school, we had to memorize this chapter, word for word, comma, period, you know, all that. Had to, re had to memorize it, and it's been something that's, that's just been sort of like, this is my code. This is the way I want to live my life. Like it says in Romans 12. But let's focus on living on mission. Living on mission is a giving lifestyle. Okay? Living on mission is living to give. Come on, say live to give. How? How? You know, we start with in Matthew 18 where Jesus says, as you go, Freely give, right? As you go, freely give what you freely received. But wh what do we get from Romans 12? Because this is, this is a, a description of the Christian lifestyle. This is a description of people who are going to live on mission. Okay? Living on mission is living our lives to give. But how do we do it practically? 
We can get this from Romans chapter 12, and I want to just give you three things, very simple, yet very powerful. If we can grab a hold of this, we can walk out of here today living on mission more powerfully, more effectively. Come on, do you want to live on mission, on Jesus' mission, more effectively? Well, the first thing is we see it in, in Romans 12. It says, in God's grace, he's given us different gifts for doing certain things well. Number one, discover what you do well. Discover what you do well. And I promise it's something. So don't think it's nothing. Because the word says in God's grace. Has anybody received God's grace? Then you've been given a gift to do certain things well. Certain things, not everything. I promise it's something. One of the definitions of grace, right? Because the Bible says we've, by his grace, right? We know grace is, is we've. We don't deserve, right? We, we're, we're in a position of undeserved privilege and favor with God. But part of his undeserved privilege and the, the position we have with God is this thing called grace, which literally means divine enablement. Grace, the grace of God gives us the ability to do certain things well. So if the word says by his grace, we've received gifts for doing certain things well, I want you to say this. I can do certain things well. And maybe you already know what those things are. Maybe you've grown enough in your relationship with the Lord. And as you've been loving him and serving him and serving other people, you, you've discovered things you do well. Maybe it's just, some things are just no-brainers, right? I mean, some people just sing well. Now, that doesn't mean they don't have to develop it, but there's others that don't just sing well, right? Right? In God's grace, God has given different ones of us the ability to do certain things well. And this, this is, is, it's important to embrace this reality. I do certain things well. And I need to discover what that is. Now, this is important, Christians. This does not need to be a long, complicated, self-centered process. We don't need to discover what we do well just to know what we do well. I know way, I know way, 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 way too many Christians that their whole life is all about discovering their gifts, and then they don't ever, never do anything with them. But they know what they are. Discovering what we do well by the grace of God is not about knowing it. It's about using it. I mean, listen, I'm not knocking it. I've done them. But there's all these tests out there to discover your gifts, your spiritual gifts, your natural gifts, your gifts you were born with, the gifts that came by the Holy Spirit, your ministry gifts, your all this stuff. That's great. That's wonderful. That's awesome. Whoop-dee-doo if you're not doing anything with them. 
And, and, and there's this, this, this thing that, that I, I don't know, this has just sort of kind of grabbed a hold of a lot of modern-day Christians. It's all about discovering my purpose and my gifts and my bent and my niche. What good would it do for you or for me? For our doctor to know about medicine and understand it. And then not use it on us to cure us when we're sick. We need to discover what we do well, but it, that doesn't have to take forever. I know people who have been on a journey for 10 years to discover their gifts and their purpose. Why did it get so quiet? Look, look just, just bear with me and hear this with an open heart and an open mind. You don't need to discover yourself. You don't need to, listen, if you discover Jesus, the more you discover him, you will discover yourself. It, it, Christians, we don't need to focus on getting to know who we really are. We need to focus on getting to know who he really is. And as we do, we'll just know who we really are. Because who we really are is all about him anyway. In the same way, God has given each of us the ability to do certain things well. And our life shouldn't be about this process of discovering all of those things. It should be the process of doing number two, which is, of course, you pray. Of course, you get to know Jesus. Of course, you get discipleship and other people help you discover but you discover things you do well, and then you do number two. You give what you got. You give what you got. I give what I got. What you have, this is so powerful, y'all. What you have is an expression of God's grace to others. Come on, let me say that again. What you do well, those certain things you do well, and I want you to think about it. It, should, it shouldn't be hard. There are things that a lot of us just already know. The certain things you do well are an expression and, and an extension of God's grace to others. So when we discover what we do well, as we discover what we do well, we give what I got. Now, let me give you a little secret how this works. You don't have to discover everything you do well to start giving what you got. If you know one thing you do well, give what you got. I'll tell you, as I've lived my life to give what I got, I discover new things I do well. And as I live my life to give what I got, what I have to other people... I honestly believe that the more grace of God grows in me, the more I grow in the grace of God. There are things that 
He wants me to do well that I don't do well yet. But as I live to give what I have, the Bible says if I'm faithful with the little things, I'll be put over more. Right? He said, I don't do a lot of things well. Do the one thing you do well. Give it to others. Use it to serve others. And you'll find you do even more things well. And then give that. Give what you got. Come on, as you go, we, we, we've said this again and again. As we go, we give what we have. Very good. Now, it's important to, to, to also embrace this. You can only give what you do have. So, listen, this, man, if I could set you free with one thing today, it would be this. Don't worry about what you don't have because someone else does. Someone else does. Don't worry about what you don't have because you don't have it. But somebody else does. And the body of Christ is complete with all the gifts and abilities that are needed. Jesus is not lacking a finger or a toe. Come on. Toenails and all. His body isn't lacking. But sometimes his body isn't functioning as it ought because we've received his grace to do certain things well, but we're not doing it. So it's important not to worry about what you don't have because other people have it. That should make you smile. I mean, there have been times, I'll just be honest, leading a church when I realize I don't have that. The church needs this. I don't have that. Somebody else does. The world. Listen, look at the world. And I'm like, I w- I w- there's a big need out there in the world. And I don't have certain things, but some pe- somebody else has it. Come on, smile. Smile to know you have certain things and other people have other things. And that's good. That's wonderful. And when we work together... We have all that we need. No individual has it all. But together we can have it all. As the body, we can have it all. Because what you do have is valuable and amazing. So discover what you do well. Give what you have. We, we, I'm not going to go back through the scriptures, but it, it says, if your gift is serving, then. If your gift is giving, then. Right? If your gift is teaching, then teach. And it says well, <laughs> to do it well, right? <laughs> That's going to lead us to number three. Serve and give with love and enthusiasm. We, we, we read that we ought to be eager. Do you know what it means to be eager? This, this is something that I see a lot of times we, we lack as believers, as Christians. Because most people of God, if a need comes along and you can help with it, we do. But that's not what it means to be eager. To, e- to be eager means to be chomping at the bit, on the lookout, ready 
for whatever comes my way. And if a need doesn't come my way, I'm going to go find one. If I have a gift, if I have the ability for doing something well, and the way that I live on mission is that as I go, everywhere I go, I give what I've been given, then to be eager means to be on the lookout for how I can possibly give what I've been given in every possible way. Eager. And then the word says that we ought to be enthusiastic. To be enthusiastic means to do it with some energy. Others, other scriptures we just read, I, again, I'm not going to go back through the whole chapter again, but it says that we need to be genuine and sincere, not fake. Remember, it says, really love people. Don't, don't fake it. Right? If your gift is kindness, do it gladly. Gladly. If your gift is teaching, teach well. If your gift is serving, serve. If your gift is generosity, then, well, if your gift is giving, give generously. Enthusiasm. Do it with some, some energy. Don't do it halfway or, or, or fake it. We, we need to do it in a way that shows we're honorable, the Bible says. Honorable to God, yes, but I want to live my life to give what I've been given in a way that, that doesn't just show that I'm honorable, right? But that shows people the God I serve. How many of you know God is eager? He's enthusiastic. And his love isn't fake. It's genuine. It's real. And our world needs to see that through us. That when we live our lives on mission to give what we've been given, we do it with real love. Really caring about people, genuinely. Not going and serving because that makes me feel better as a Christian. Whew, got to get my servant on so I can check that box, right? So that I can feel better about myself. No. Genuine love and care and eagerness to serve and give what we've been given. That will show people how great God is. That will show people God's heart for them. Somebody say joy, not drudgery. Is anybody encouraged and excited not only to discover what you do well, but to live your life to give it to others? And I just feel like the Holy Spirit is stirring 
our enthusiasm and our eagerness. And I know I'm talking to mostly Christians here, mostly Christians in the room, probably mostly Christians listening to this. But I, I just want to make this very clear. Okay? Knowing what you do well doesn't matter at all if you don't know him. Do you know him? Do you know the God of grace? We talk about his grace. Putting us in a position of undeserved privilege. Of relationship with God. And then undeservedly we receive these abilities from God to do certain things well so that we can be used by God to give and give it to others to bless others so that we can show how great our God is but first you have to know him you have to know Jesus you have to know the giver of grace to be able to walk in grace and give anything to anybody And I know that most of us know him. Hey, maybe everybody does today. I don't know. I don't know everybody here. What I do know is this. You can fake it. A lot of people, unfortunately, fake it. They give the appearance that they know Jesus, but don't really know him. And we could live our entire lives trying to give to others. But if we haven't come to really know him, then in the end, it won't be worth really anything. Not to us anyway. First, you have to know him. Do you know him? I didn't ask do you know about him? I didn't ask, are you a regular at church? I didn't even ask, do you serve? I ask, and the Holy Spirit is, is pushing this. Do you know him? Because that makes it all worth it. I'm only going to give my whole life to him if I understand all he's done for me. That's the first verse in Romans 12. In response to all he's done for us, we offer our whole lives as a living sacrifice. See, this is where sometimes I ask myself, I see Christians running around doing all kinds of stuff for Jesus. Sometimes the way I see them doing things and saying things makes me go, do they even know him? Or are they just doing? 
I don't want to be one of those that does because I know I ought to do. I want to be one of those that because I know him and all he's done for me, my response is to give freely all I've been given. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I really believe God spoke to you through his word today and is moving in your life. If you'd like more information about Encounter Church or you'd like to give your tithes and offerings, you can visit our website at EncounterChurchAtlanta.org. I'd also like to invite you to share this message on social media. Thanks again.